Hi everybody, welcome back to Good Boss. Today I am joined by one heck of a good boss who has a four-day work week, which we will talk about because I am extremely envious of that schedule and need it in my life. She is a graphic designer originally based in Molumbibi. I totally said that wrong. <laughs> I'm getting the thumbs up, so we're good. <laughs> um, but she's now actually working out of Magnetic Island, which if you don't know, is a beautiful tiny island off the coast of Queensland, Australia. Her business is appropriately named Molo Studio and I have to read her tagline from her website because God knows I am a, I am a sucker for them and it goes like this. She doesn't, even, she doesn't know what I'm going to say. <laughs> Molo Studio will always be passionate about making communities intelligent, creative and beautiful places to live. I love it. So Lucy, thank you for being on Good Boss and being our Good Boss this week. Oh my God, Co, thank you for having me. It's very exciting to be here. You have such an amazing caliber of bosses on your show. So I feel Aww. very to be here. Thank you. Thank you so much for saying that. It's it's definitely been amazing getting a chance to chat to some amazing people. And you're definitely someone that I've had on my list for a long time. Um, because as we were saying before recording, I've been following you for like I think I think since 2020, honestly. It's been oh no. Yeah, I think 2020 around pandemic time was when I saw you on the gram and I was all over it so I'm excited um, and something I actually didn't know about you is that you have been in the industry for 12 years which is insane so I can't wait to hear the story that you've got to share with us because I'm sure you've got some doozies. All right so there are many because in true Lucy fashion it's just um, absolute clusterfucks everywhere but one that absolutely came to mind immediately I was doing a rebrand for a psychotherapist um, who works with patients um, going through uh, trauma and she also um, uses yoga as part of her um, treatment plan she's very well respected in her industry it was an absolute pleasure to be working with her uh, she gave me several yoga poses that she just gave me as inspiration and said, go wild, use what you'd like to use. Um, so I chose a pose that kind of looked like some of the letters within her business name without looking naff. It was just a really beautiful, simple kind of similarity. Illustrated it, sent off the proposal to her. She wrote back being like, hello, Lucy. Thank you so much for the proposal. I just, I really love concept one um, and the monogram where I put this illustration. She's like, it looks like a sex position <laughs> and I cannot stop looking at it. So the pose was someone sitting on the ground, legs above head and hands were down there. <laughs> I looked at it again and I just went, oh, my God. And it was one of those moments where you are so involved and so close to a project that you just don't look at it from above. You just, you send it off, you send it off. And then I looked at it and I was like, oh, my God. And don't get me wrong, illustrations of sex positions have a place. You know, if it was a comfortable book, it was a sex shop, definitely has a place. And I am sex positive 100%. But for a trauma-informed psychotherapist that is completely the wrong vibe of brand. You know, the brand like 
approachable and gentle and professional and you know and I just looked at it and I was just like oh my god so that was a um yeah that was a little bit of a redo she was incredible you know she's a psychotherapist so she's dealing with all sorts of people all the time she is not conservative at all she was absolutely fine there was a laugh and the project was brilliant but Jesus like no sex positions like (laughs) sometimes it just (laughs) does take someone to point something out like you said when you're so involved and so in the project it's so easy to miss those kind of things I mean even when I was chatting with Ali a few episodes ago um from alleyway designs she was talking about this one logo she had done and one of the girls that worked with her was like that looks like a tampon and she was like oh (laughs) you're right it does but it just it just had it computed for her you know so that is so funny amazing episode with Ali and just so many things she said about her graphic design journey and running Mm. the business yeah same it's yeah, it happens. It totally happens. And it was a lesson of just being like, just, it's really important to just take a break, go for lunch, even leave it for a couple of days. If you have the time, even mm. a week, come back to it and look at, look at it with fresh eyes. And also just remember those like key words as you're designing, keep referring back to these words like approachable, professional, and gentle. They have nothing to do with sex positions. <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> oh that is so funny so obviously it's quite important for you in your process to have those kind of objective words and descriptive words do you kind of nut that out with your client before starting the design process yeah it's interesting um the process that I do is a complete immersion in the brand or the person running the business so it's you know an initial chat, a questionnaire, getting a Pinterest board or getting all the inspiration that that they have and and love. Um, And then it goes into the creation phase. So those keywords kind of really come out of the questionnaire and the chat that I have with them. And yes, that chat is about, you know, the questions like, who is your target audience? Uh, You know, who are you? What are you doing? Where do you want to be in five years? All those kind of questions. But it's also about everything else so when you're talking to someone as I'm sure you know co doing this podcast and just in general there is so much more going on with someone than the words that are going out of their mouth so Mm. it's about what do they like what do they feel like um what are they really passionate about how do they light up on screen and then so many of my keywords come from those moments Mm. oh wow it's it's usually words that they don't even know themselves you know again going back to when we're so close to something aka ourselves it's really hard to figure out what we're about and who we are and how people perceive us and I really apply that same approach when it comes to how do you perceive someone's business or brand or what they're trying to convey Mm. um so yeah so you know words like professional and gentle yeah of course they can come out of the questionnaire but you know, that business owner was also extremely um, an intellectual and um, really valued the small details. And she would never really be able to articulate that or think that that's important to the brand making process. Um, so, yeah, it's, that, it's, it's those moments within the questionnaire that are really special and beautiful mm. and quite, a, 
honor it's an honor to be around people and just really you know get their essence down pat yeah. Has that always come quite naturally to you in terms of being able to extract those more deeper, not just surface level feelings and emotions from a client? Or is that something that you've learned over the years? Um, I would say that's definitely something I've learned over the years. I mean, um, starting Molo's studio, I uh, had no idea what I was doing. I jumped into the deep end and, and you just kind of figure out the process of onboarding clients and what the most seamless, beautiful process is going to be. Um, really articulating that process of like describing the essence of someone, that's definitely come over time. Um, I think people have always been a part of design and I think every graphic designer would say it's so much a part of the people and that's what we learn in university and that's what you you're designing for people um so it'd be you know it'd be I guess silly to go let's ignore the human element of it but mm. um I think really kind of understanding what I'm designing and who I'm designing for and what the general purpose is that's been a learned thing um, yeah that's come up yeah that's come over years and years mm. of practice yes yeah. still learning though my god <laughs> <laughs> aren't we all so where yeah. what kind of led you to actually becoming a graphic designer was this something that was always you know within you within your childhood or was it something that you like me kind of discovered around university time like Ali uh <laughs> I've since I could remember um my dad was a very early adopter of technology so we had computers in our house from when I was two three so the early 90s um we had internet from like 95 onwards um with a cute little modem um and so I was always around computers and my love for fonts started there I remember at eight like retyping the a section of a dictionary in a better font um I used to write letters to friends and like put the paper through the printer and make sure the paper size was the right size and then go on word and change the margin so that I could be like typing in comic sans to my friends and sending letters to them um so it's always kind of been a part of who I was growing up um and then also just being that person that loved um doing really great presentation on assignments so getting the word out and word art happening in the borders and all that kind of stuff and then kind of realizing that there was a career that involved all this like colors and type and composing stuff and it's wild when you think about it there's a career that involves all these really fun things yeah. and it's a really well respected mostly industry it's amazing um yeah, so I finished high school and uh, went down to Monash University down in Melbourne for a year and did VizCom down there. Uh, I just thought Melbourne would be a really great place to study design um, and then moved back up to Sydney and went to UTS and did the visual communications course there So and finished that for three years. Um, yeah, and then that kind of went into my, yeah, my working life. So, yeah, graphic design, I've always wanted to be a graphic designer, which is wild mm. um and yeah and it's definitely evolved a lot mm. since I was just loving comic stands that's amazing you <laughs> that's so funny you literally have 
such a graphic designer like story you know and the, what I mean by that is a lot of people like me you know I was always creative when I was younger I loved painting I loved expressing myself in all creative ways but you're like I loved putting type faces together which is literally you know the description of a graphic designer so that's that's insane yeah yeah totally and downloading weird and wonderful fonts from the internet and, and yeah just weird weird just yeah it's so strange that it ends up being this career and mm. you know under the umbrella of graphic design is typography and color palettes and people and all these things that you join together and it's just yeah it's wild that mm. I can what something that I really love so what was your first taste of the design industry when you were still at uni? I believe you said you had a job already. Look at you. <laughs> what were you doing? Um, uh, I was a lot of the graphic design that I did during uni was a working for friends, businesses and brands. So just like putting brands together for that. And then in the last year of uni, we had to do a six month internship as part of our course. And I worked at Sydney Festival, which is a, um, the largest arts organisation in Australia as a graphic designer. Um, and so we were designing collateral for like Sydney Opera House and Sydney Dance Company and, and wow. going to shows when the festival was actually on. It was super fun. And it was kind of my first, um, yeah, it was my first kind of foray into working as a graphic designer in an organization so I really loved all the other stuff so how to communicate with people in the business how to communicate with your boss how to write an email um, what does a brief look like um, the pace of things like just getting stuff out there um, no time to overthink what to wear to a to an office job like <laughs> all these things that you don't ever learn unless you're in the workplace and I just loved it I loved it I learned so much in that internship I remember saying I learned more in that six months than I did throughout the four years at uni and the four years at uni definitely set me up in a beautiful foundation Classic. but like those six months just I loved it and so I had the opportunity to do honours at uni or go and work and I was like I want to work mm. that's just yeah, I loved it. And I loved the, like, <laughs> the office politics and the organisational structures and, like, the fact that people, you know, talk in a kitchen for hours and that's okay and, like, yeah, just all that stuff that now we just know. But, yeah. Just all the, yeah, little, all really the little details and intricacies of, of a design job, you know, not just the actual design itself but everything else behind it. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Everything else behind it. And I would say that like still to this day, it's like 75% of my working day is all the other stuff. Wow. Or even 80%. Like the actual getting down to designing on a computer takes a very small part of my work. Um, the rest is keeping the business running, talking to people, um, ensuring that everyone's on the same page, um, marketing, doing things like this. You know, mm. all that other stuff takes up so much space and time, which I really love. And then the 20% is the designing. So, mm. yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, that yeah. is an interesting way to look at it. But it's definitely true. You know, if you are running a business and if you do want to see it grow and evolve, you have to dedicate so much of your time to the business. Otherwise, it's eventually going to die off. You know, that might sound a bit harsh, but I think it's definitely true. 
Um, yeah. So absolutely. you started Molo in 2018, four years ago. Yes. Right. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What yes. um, what kind of made you leave your job at the time and decide to go full time and work for yourself? Yeah, a bit of backstory. So after I finished my internship, I then worked in the advertising industry for three years for um, a place called JC Deco. And I was one of two graphic designers there. I was the junior graphic designer and kind of worked my way up while I was there. Um, we worked with some of the biggest brands in the world, some of the best marketing teams in the world. So the Googles and the Apples and the Nikes and the Adidas, like amazing, amazing experience. But wait, 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 let's uh, rewind for a second. We can't just gloss over that. So you were involved with some of Apple's branding. What, what was that like? Creative. So JC Deco is an outdoor advertising agency. So bus stops, billboards, um, really cool experimental stuff where they get people to like interact with advertising. Um, and so, yeah, we would be working with like all like the apples and the adidases and the and and those types of people to be like hey these are the advertising assets that we have this is what we can offer this is the campaign that you're running let's work together and see how we can make this the best campaign ever wow um it was incredible and i at the time it was stressful you're working 12 14 hour days you are the junior graphic designer so you're doing everything which is great but you're also doing mock-ups 40 mock-ups a day or you have two hours to respond to a brief or you know there's a lot of pressure but um yeah again looking from above and having the opportunity these these big guys are the biggest in the world for a reason and it's you know partly because their marketing teams are so good so being so close to that um yeah invaluable so incredible wow yeah that must have taught you so much can you so much can you imagine uh kind of looking back on the last decade or so not having had those experiences like imagine if straight out of uni you just went straight to working for yourself like me um (laughs) which has so much value as well oh my god I hope so. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you can, yeah, yeah. We learn from every experience. Mm. Yeah. So well, then that's... going back to the story then, so what kind of made you decide to start Molo? Um, so, yeah, so worked at JCCO for three years, burnt out at 25 um, and went and lived with my folks in the outskirts of Sydney. They Their house backed onto bush and a river um and I really loved it having lived in the inner city for you know whatever eight years or something I just found nature and really my whole body sang and I really loved it um and really began to look after myself and rebuild and kind of go what's important to me uh which is an amazing privileged place to be in at 25 um my folks retired during that time and they had always planned to move up to Mullumbimby. Um, I had very few ties in Sydney at the mo- at that time, like in terms of, yes, I had amazing, amazing, beautiful friends. Um, and I was working at a gym at the time, which was an incredible experience that I still, you know, I learned so much in that time that I still apply today to my job. But the things like a mortgage, study, a relationship, pets, kids, 
you know, all those big things. I had no ties in Sydney in that way. And I just said, stuff it. I'm going to go to Mullumbimby and be there for a year and just see what happens. Um, so I went to Mullum. I freelanced for a little while and I was like, I wasn't meeting anyone. I was literally in a cow paddock with my laptop, not meeting anyone. <laughs> um, and so worked at the local pub for two years. And then by the end, knew everyone in Mullumbimby. <laughs> and... <laughs> That says and a lot. Life stories and the ins and outs of everyone's very secret life. It was a very, um, hat off to, we all know this, hospital people and bartenders, they're social workers of our time. Um, and then I really needed to be creative by the end of that two years. It's funny when you're urging, you have this like inner bubbling inside of you of just, you have to create. Um, so I was, creating Pinterest boards every day and I was doing weird drawings and you know it was just stuff was being created and I was like I have to stop pub and I didn't think Muller Studio would work um, mm. but I always wanted to do my own business and my mum had run her own business and I'd seen her do it and I really found it quite fascinating and and really wanted to do it so I just came up with the name built a website got an Instagram account going and Facebook page all in a weekend. And I was like, this is not going to work. So I'm not going to spend too much time on it. And then just put it out into the universe on a Monday and just told everyone I know and love about it, put posts up on Facebook and Instagram and calls and texts and whatever. Um, and yeah, and that's where it all started. Why did you think it wasn't going to work? Oh, just like general um insecure insecurity and also just being out of the graphic design game for a couple of years mm. and not knowing how to run a business mm. um just all the things and just being like how how do you make money from a bit like just all those things and just being like I just have no confidence in this at all yeah. So what did you do to then learn all of that? Because for me, I was in the same boat, you know, I had no idea how to run a business. And I guess the avenue that I went down is taking a couple of courses, um, digesting mm. a lot of, you know, educational content on Instagram, Google. So what was your kind of route to figuring out the business side of things? Um, so, yeah, I think having a mum that um, ran her own business the whole time I was growing up um, and being close to her, she gave me a lot of knowledge, um, just everything from like tax, keeping account of your income, your expenses, all that kind of stuff to boundaries. She was amazing at boundaries. So she would close her door at 4 p.m. and spend time with my brother and I, how beautifully lucky we were. Um, and if the phone rang at 4.05, she wouldn't pick it up. So just having that influence as you grow up and then also, yeah, living with her at the time, there was a lot of that. And then also the world of Instagram, that was incredible. The educational stuff you can learn off Instagram from small businesses. And then also at the time in Byron Bay Shire where, yeah, in the Byron Bay Shire where, in, where Malambimbi is, it was described as the um, Woodstock of small businesses at the time like businesses were booming and just popping up everywhere um, during that period and so finding 
beautiful business pals to talk shop with and to exchange ideas and was completely invaluable. And I Mm. think Instagram definitely instigated that. It has been the most incredible tool, as we know, to our network. Um, So, yeah, a combination of things and then also just a lot of mistakes. Like (laughs) the best way to learn. Learning from them. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And I guess I'm sure that as well, your you know ex- so much so many years working for Sydney Festival and then working mm. for JC Deco like all of those years did was there a lot from that time of your life that you were able to bring into running your own business absolutely yeah absolutely I think um oh communication for one so like how to talk to people how to write an email um, how to be professional and friendly at the same time Um, (laughs) all those things definitely came from my time at internship and then Co. and then the freelancing work too you just own those skills Um, and then yeah and then also just the other side of things like the technical skills of like being able to churn out stuff really quickly Mm. um, and those types of skills were okay as well and I also think you know I working at JCCO despite the big fast pace of being there there was also a bit of time to play and to fuck up and it was I had a boss that was so beautiful that it was okay to fuck up he would Mm. catch me fine and I think and you're working with really big brands and people are okay if you fuck up as long as you correct it as soon as possible and you're human and transparent about it. Um, I think that skill has been incredibly useful in Molo Studio. We, we as humans are going to fuck up all the time. If you can correct it as soon as possible and be really open and transparent about that mistake, mm. you're fine generally yeah. unless, you know, unless there's... Yeah, there's always going to be a one, but yeah. <laughs> there's always going to be one that's going to react a certain way, that's for sure. Yeah, exactly. <sighs> there was yeah. something I wanted to ask you about, something that I read on your website where mm-hmm. you say that you part of your process, you always like to meet your clients face-to-face or over the phone before starting any project. Why mm. is that so important to you and also to your process? Um, a few reasons. Um, the number one thing working at Mullo, which is the same for Ali at Alleyway Designs, is working with good people. Um, and I think those calls really nut out whether we're going to be a really good collaboration or not. Um, and I do think it's a two-way street. They have to see if I'm going to be a good fit and vice versa. Um, I... Also, during that time, again, going back to what I was saying before about kind of feeling out who a person is by all the other stuff that's going on. Um, You know, I've been in the business now for four years and yes, I still don't get it right, but you, from by now, you kind of have an idea when red flags are gonna be popping up. Um, And those initial calls are so important so that you don't find a red flag too late in the process and you've wasted resources. Um, yeah, so it's generally that. And then also just to get your client excited about working together and just because so often clients either come for a rebrand, which means 
things are a bit icky or they're, they're not working and they need to be refreshed mm-hmm. or something that like precipice of a new business, which is fucking terrifying, exciting, but terrifying. Yeah. And so having this chat and just being like, yes, let's do this like, and get each other excited about what we're doing that kind of is a really beautiful way to start a project with heaps of energy and go, right, let's go. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. You, you definitely seem like someone who would get on a call with a client and not just talk about, this is what we're going to do. This is how much it'll cost. These are the deliverables. Like I can sense that you're someone that would get on a call with a client and just learn about them, learn about their passions. What like, you know, wakes them up in the morning. I am so right on. I, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but that's that's it's what so works well, yeah it's so funny I'm uh yeah I'm, I'm dating someone at the moment and um on my profile I used to say it's like dating a giant um asking 20 questions <laughs> like I'm tall, so that's a giant bit and then the 20 questions is I am so fascinated by people I just really 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 am interested in people um and so yeah so it's all that stuff too mm. yeah yeah, and I think it yeah, it's so important to remember as designers that we are in a way kind of a vehicle for someone to launch what they've been dreaming about since they were 10, you know, in some instances. Like we are the people that can bring their vision to life that they've had in their heads for so long. So yeah. and I think it can be easy as designers because we're doing it all the time to forget about that special exciting feeling that our clients must be having but it's yeah Mm. such an important reminder to to like really slow down with each client and just be like hey what you're doing is so exciting is you know amazing and I'm so glad to be able to like be on this journey with you it's like it's really you know I think in the design business we we're not in the design business I do think that we are in the people business you know, mm, I think that's yes. huge. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 100%. <laughs> when, um, <laughs> I wanted to actually talk to you about Instagram a little bit. Um, oh. as you have mentioned, <laughs> <laughs> did you say, uh-oh? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is so funny yeah. because my question, I was going to say, I feel like you've had a bit of an on and off relationship with Instagram. You know, sometimes you're all up in it and you're posting and then sometimes you go on a little hiatus for, you know, X amount of time. Um, I guess, is it because you go through phases where you don't like the platform and you need time away from it or what, what kind of causes that? Yeah, no, thank you for this question. Um, I love Instagram. It's never because I hate Instagram that I go away. It's usually because um, Instagram is really time consuming um, to put up content all the time. I find it really time consuming. I do the most long-winded posts too. That probably does not help my cause. (laughs) Jesus, like Lucy on a soapbox, bloody hell. But um, yeah. I think those breaks away from Instagram always coincide with something really big that's going on in my life in a really positive way. So like the move to Magnetic Island, it's I had a six month. So I've been on Mags for seven months now. And so the first six months, 
I just didn't go on Instagram. I felt like my life was full of so much other new stuff. Yes, Mallow Studio was still buzzing in the background and I'm so grateful to my beautiful clients that have stuck around and, and stuck with me during this change and clients just keep coming back. Um, but yeah, so those breaks away from Instagram are always at a time where I just don't have the time and capacity to be creative and really really connect and be I find Instagram is a weird beast isn't it it's like if you're away from it for a while you kind of forget the nuances and what's kind of going on on Instagram and and how to be and what's what everyone's talking about you know Mm. all those things um so to get back in I feel like it's it's a real it's an effort and it's and and it takes a lot of time and, and time that I love um, and I have just gone back into it again and I am loving it. It is crazy <laughs> and terrifying to be back in, but I am loving it um, because I now have time and space again to invest. Um, but yeah, those times away are just generally when there's other life stuff mm. going on. Um, yeah, that requires my attention. And I'm like, right, client work only for Muller Studio, obviously all the other business stuff that you have to do, but Instagram marketing kind of takes a backseat during this time. Yeah, it's definitely definitely a full-time job by itself to post on Instagram and to be posting good content and your portfolio and engaging and replying. It's definitely a full-time gig. You know, it adds so much to our plate. And you mentioned, you know, the word marketing because it is definitely an avenue of marketing. What are some kind of other avenues that you have potentially taken in marketing Mallow Studio? Um, ooh, interesting. I've never paid for advertising before. Um, it's always it's always been organic up until this point. Um, word of mouth has been really amazing. Mm. I think launching in the Byron Shire in a small community, yes, there's 30,000 people in the Shire, but that is small. Um, and I think... When you're working with a lot of the small businesses, <laughs> thousands of people are coming to those businesses too. So it's actually quite a beautiful um, kind of word of mouth tool. It can go both ways too. You know, there are so many businesses that burn because of small communities, but thank God Marlowe's um, reputation has been pretty okay. Mm. Um, so word of mouth and then also events showing up to events and I mean during a pandemic Jesus how do you do that but um in those early years which I feel like that's when you really you know want to get your name out there just going to events and literally talking to people and having the confidence to just be like I'm Lucy I run a graphic design business called Mallow Studio we do branding for businesses and special projects like that is terrifying to mm, say yeah those first few years but just just having a go and putting yourself out there. Um, And then, yeah, and then marketing at the moment comes in the form of literally being on Instagram sometimes and keeping in touch with all my beautiful previous clients in a really friendly way. And I know, you know, marketing has this like strategic kind of ickiness to it too, but like just being mates and going hi to your previous clients and going, hey, how's your business going? I'm genuinely very interested. Mm. Um, so many of those conversations then spark new business. Yeah. Do you yeah. kind of have a system where you, you know, um, what's the word I'm looking for? 
where you get back in touch with a client, let's say, you know, four months after your projects ended or does it just kind of ebb and flow? Just ebbs and flows. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, yeah, I think a good example of this is I was working with a really amazing real estate agency. Um, the majority of my clients are female, but, um, he's a male and he, he has this incredible real estate agency and it's all about people, um, and care and love and supporting people going through some of the biggest changes of their lives. You know, moving house is on par with the stress of a divorce, like, and, uh, you know, just turning that business on its head, real estate has a really bad rap. Um, so I've worked with him over the years on little bits and pieces projects every now and again. And I was reflecting on some of my favorite clients over the Christmas break and um, wanting to work with them in a more long-term, meaningful, bigger way. I'm kind of at this point where I'm doing projects by project, which I really love. It keeps me on my toes, but kind of wanting to work with clients in a more retainer like let's go into the nitty gritty of who you are, what you're doing and let's elevate you in that way. Mm. Um, exciting for me and exciting for them. And so reaching out to him and just having a chat and just being like, hey, this is what I think I'm doing, what I want to do. What do you reckon? Like, and also talking to each other as business owners too and being mm. like, oh, you know, and, um, and that's led into new business, but it's, but it wasn't, it wasn't, you know, I'm going to reach out to to Bryce, you know, six months after um, we've stopped our previous project. It kind of just happened organically. And this is where I'm at in my business um, story. And, and yeah, he's the person I want to reach out to. So, mm. yeah, kind of very organic. Yeah, yeah, I love that. I think I think that's I what really I... Really marketing, though, honestly. I, if any marketers are listening to this, they're like, <laughs> what is she doing you know like you know, my brother works in sales and marketing and he's always like Lucy you need backups like you know you're in a pandemic for god's sake like you never know what's going to happen tomorrow like you need multiple avenues mm. and stop being so risky and I'm like I know I know <laughs> but I it's know. worked so far so <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah marketing is something that is hugely important I mean like you said you know huge brands like Apple and Microsoft are amazing because they have an amazing marketing team. It's it's such a huge component of the success of a business um, and yeah. it's something that I'm really trying to take more seriously, look more into and figure out what are some, how can I attack marketing creatively, you know, because I was chatting with um, Jai Long on the podcast a while ago and he's always like you know marketing and business is so creative and I think I've struggled to see it that way because in my head I'm like no it's corporate it's icky like you said it's it's numbers but I think being able to change your mindset around it and like attacking it from a creative or coming coming at it from a creative standpoint I feel like is the thing that needs to happen and then I will just and then it will just tick you know yeah absolutely yeah mm. that's such a good reminder for me too mm. yeah even even be. looking at your numbers you know can be yeah. creative as well yeah absolutely yeah. yeah yeah something that I've been super appreciative of you for I don't know if you'll even remember this but I think it was a couple of years ago I messaged you on Instagram and I was asking you about your email signature and <laughs> 
This is actually so embarrassing thinking back on it. I, I was asking you about your email signature because I was just getting asked by a client, you know, if I could do one for them and I had never done an email signature and, um, and you were, you know, talking about yours and everything. And I was like, how do you do this? Blah, blah, blah. And you were so nice. And you sent me the details of your girl that you used to code them. And, and I still use her to this day. I mean, she's, she gets them done so quickly and so efficiently. She's the best. Yeah. Honestly, I was, so appreciative and you probably saved me so much time having to like google it or having to go through a bad you know web developer and things like that um and then there was another instance where I think I was asking you if you used a CRM and you were like no I don't use one um this is what I do and you sent me a screenshot of like your google sheet with you know your client and honestly (laughs) how crazy I was you actually don't understand how appreciative I was of you being so open to share those resources with me um and it's something that I truly do as well you know with everyone I'm I'm so open I will send you any resource anything um so I'm I'm so happy that that you are like that as well and that you did that for me um have you always been someone who kind of is super open you know you're very like community-based you're you don't seem to be someone who's competitive in any way in a bad Mm. sense um well first co that is so nice (laughs) (laughs) I'm about to well up (laughs) um uh also hang on a few points here so first of all email signatures are absolutely so so difficult and again, Ali touched on this too. And I was like, I know. And then <laughs> quite a small part of collateral, but they are so fickle and getting them looking the same across all mm. email, email service providers. Like mm-hmm. it's, it's just a fickle business. So to cut, just, yeah, just to cut all that out and be like, this is my process. This is Mira. She's amazing. Here she is. I'm giving her work. She works in Sri Lanka and she's so incredible and giving her work and giving her wage, Australian wages. I feel so good about So to Mm. share her details. Absolutely. Also sharing details of anyone is so fine. Um, I don't know. It doesn't. Yeah. Generously just doesn't. And not being competitive. I think the world is so much richer when you, when you're not being competitive and hiding shit and, and, and I think making sure all your resources are open and, and available to people. And as long as the person reaching out that wants my stuff is respectful and going to use it in a really respectful way, of course. Um, I know there's the argument of IP. So, you know, you spend all this time finding out what the best process is, finding the best people for the job. Um, and there is a monetary value on that. I'm, I'm, definitely there is however I just think in this industry like it can be really competitive and I just there are some really small wonderful things that you can just give to someone and I'm so many designers have given to me in the past and I just feel like generosity that's how generosity works you know Mm. you just keep passing on um, because people before you have been generous and people after you will continue to be generous um and that's just a better world to live in. God, that's really um, like a hallmark card. So many things I've said today, I'm like, oh, that's like an inspirational quote. But, <laughs> but it's true. It's true. I feel like just, and I think Odette Barry, who 
runs an incredible PR business. She taught me that in my first year of business. She is so generous with her time, with her knowledge. Um, and it's, it was so invaluable. And it's just like, why not? Mm. Like doing things for others makes you feel good too. So just do it. Yeah, it's yeah. good karma. <laughs> yeah, and when, exactly. when you think as well about, you know, history and about people passing down knowledge, I mean, who, who would we be today as a society or as a human species, species, sorry, if, if people didn't pass down what they know, it's, it's part of who we are as humans. You know, that's what I think about as well. So passing down something that I've learned that I know to maybe, you know, a new and upcoming designer is only natural to me. And I think it only serves to a better industry community world, you know, it goes, it goes on and on. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. And I think, you know, sometimes it's like the smallest of things can make a massive impact in your business. So like I was talking to Erin from Young Folks Digital at a really, really shitty time in business. It was in my second year and um, it was before Christmas and I just, it was, it's a really hard time in the graphic design world to get money coming in for money to money to be coming in because people are tired no mm. one wants to invest in marketing and then everyone's just finished their Christmas campaigns or whatever everyone's just like oh I can't be bothered to yeah. spend any more money on anything and usually people don't have much money anyway and I just she gave me this one piece of advice about how it was like a marketing piece of advice and like just it was more about the language that you use when when talking to people and I don't it was just this one thing that I've used throughout my whole business ever since. And it was literally a message she sent me on Instagram. It was like two lines being like, Luce, how about try this? And I was like, oh my God, you know, like, mm. yeah, tiniest things make huge impacts for people. So, yeah, 100%. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. So, let's talk about this four day work week. What is the secret? <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Um, can you tell us, like, <laughs> When did you start doing this and why? Yeah, this is actually a really good flow. So at the end of my second year in business, I um, uh, two big clients, one went AWOL and one went into liquidation. And so I lost over 20K in the space of two weeks in business. Um, at the time I was renting a studio space, I had beautiful Ivy as my assistant Um, I had just turned 30 and I booked in a two week holiday to Tasmania and anyone who runs their own business knows how much of a financial commitment it is to have two weeks off from your business. Um, money was just going and I wasn't getting much in. Um, and in the second year of business, like having financial stability, I just, what having a bank account for when something goes wrong that can cover 20,000 worth. Anyway, it was a very stressful part of running Mallow Studio and that time so it was like from November to mid-December I had to make x amount and I was like oh my god I don't know how I'm going to do this it was a really stressful time I was waking up at 3 a.m most mornings having anxiety attacks um, and every single part of my waking day was about getting money into the business um, I was working Sunday through to Friday and Saturday would be my recovery day and the day I'd either cry or die. Um, it was <laughs> extremely, extremely stressful. I got to Christmas. I'd made 
the amount of money I required, thank God. But I also remember going on a walk with Odette, who I mentioned previously, and just being a shell of a human um, and just not being able to function and saying to her, I cannot run Mullow this way ever again. Um, I went back into the new year. I let go of my studio space. I unfortunately had to let go of Ivy, but brought her into another beautiful new job and she is wonderful and she was so grateful for the experience and it was all fine um, and minimised my expenses. And so by February in 2020, things were looking okay. And then in March 2020, the pandemic hit. Um, but I remember saying in those early months being like, I cannot work six days a week ever again. I would love to work four days a week so that I get to Sunday because I used to get to Sunday and be so anxious about the week ahead and the pile of work I had to get through that it would just derail me. And I said, I want to work Monday and Tuesday. I want to have Wednesdays off and then work Thursday, Friday. So I get to Sunday and all I have is two days of work ahead of me, mm. which is so doable. And it means I have a whole weekend full of joy and calm. And then this Wednesday, this golden Wednesday to do whatever I wanted. Pandemic hit um, and uh, it was fucked for a couple of weeks as it was for everyone continuously now. But um, fortunately, Mullow Studio was okay during the pandemic. And um, yeah, it, was, it feels so icky and gross saying this, but Mullow Studio did extremely well and again it was one of the best times in business for me um to the point where I got to July and I then was able to cut down so I went to five days and then I went down to four days um so by July I was doing four days a week um and that is my reasoning behind the four-day <laughs> work um but also I'd been to the conference the design conference the year before and mm. um it was a whole segment on the four-day work week um there's this brilliant organization called never not creative and they've brought up brought out incredible findings around the mental health of the creative industry in australia and it is really harrowing um, and they did a lot of work around the four-day work week and every single piece of research that came out of that says four-day work week is so good so good for the bottom line, so good for your mental health, so good for the health of your employees. Um, and, yeah, and so far the four-day work week is so great for my bottom line, my mental health and physical well-being is so great. Um, and I was really scared that my clients would be like, what, you're only going to work four days? What, we can't reach you on Wednesdays? What? No <laughs> one cared. Mm. Literally no one cared. Um, and if anything, they congratulated me like, um, I think during, we know this, but the pandemic has made people do whatever they need to do to be, you know, the happiest people they can be or the most content and satisfied people we're choosing. We're making different choices now. So I think a four-day work week was so much more accepted um, during this time than it ever has been. Mm. Yeah. And yeah. as you mentioned earlier during our chat, you were saying how, you know, 80% of your day is often spent on business and then 20% left is um, designing. So given that you have four days to kind of work with and smash out your projects, how many, I'm just curious, how many of those days do you spend designing and how many of those days do you spend on your business or how do you, how do you kind of 
schedule out your week, given that you only have four days to work with? Yeah, I love this question. So generally speaking, design days are Tuesdays and Fridays. And I know that means that 50% of my work week is designing, but it's more like Tuesdays and Fridays are client-based stuff. So whether that's, um, you know, doing meetings for feedback with clients or um, I don't know, discussing mood boards with clients and then act- the actual doing of design goes into those days as well. Um, mm. And then Monday. Thursdays is everything else <laughs> um, emails money staff expenses bookkeeping yeah all that stuff mm. yeah yeah so important yeah. to set time aside for that and um yeah. you also mentioned while you were chatting about taking this holiday to Tassie and you are someone I've noticed um who does take you know holidays not often but you know at a normal rate I would say um I took none last year and so I thought it'd be nice to hear what is your advice for people like myself who really struggle as a business owner to put that time aside yeah holidays are for me the biggest stress reliever um it is a non-negotiable for my mental health um And I think in order for holidays to happen, I have to do sprints. And this is just how I work anyway. Um, So a sprint for me would might be six to eight weeks of going, and I'm in the middle of it right now, of going really hard. Um, Again, it's four days. You're working, I'm actually working five at the moment, but that's another (laughs) story. But or you go really hard for a certain period of time. Um, and I think knowing that you have a holiday coming up where you can completely switch off makes the sprint all the more doable. Um, you block out time in your diary where that is the holiday time. Um, mm. There's no negotiating. There's no like, oh, yeah, I might take this weekend. I don't really know. You block <laughs> out that time and you make some plans around that. So you book your Airbnb or you go camping, do something really cheap mm. um, to make sure that happens. Um, and so I think when you've got that like underlying purpose of like, I need this in order to sustain my business, I need this. Um, and then also really ensuring that your money is okay so knowing that cash flow is coming in really forecasting where your money is going and so that you can take that time off Mm. and I also am a huge believer in just doing a long weekend three days off is the biggest reset in the world like um so it doesn't have to be really extravagant either Mm. um yeah and I just that's it and I think just really like 100% switch off time is imperative the creative process for business owners for everyone um 100 it's really yeah yeah have you got um what have you got planned for this year in terms of holiday (laughs) um well this year i am on a mission to get some really good savings going um so i have so uh, so i've blocked out four periods to go on holidays um and it's mostly about seeing my loved ones. So I'm up in Queensland. The majority of my loved ones live in New South Wales or Tassie. Um, and Queensland border's been shut off to New South Wales for the majority of last year. Um, COVID's running rampant in major cities. So it's just been really difficult to see my loved ones. 
Um, so I will be going down and visiting them. So in Byron, Sydney and Canberra um, and then possibly Hobart. Um, and then also because I live on Magnetic Island, everyone can start coming up to see me. So mm. I've got a cousin arriving next week and, and the visitors are coming too. So that's kind of a, I'll still be working and doing life, but it's a, it feels different. Yeah. Holiday. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, how exciting. I've, I can definitely relate to you on, you know, that needing to connect with the loved ones as well after the pandemic, because I've got family in Mauritius where I'm from. Um <gasps> Yeah, so I haven't I haven't seen my sister in two almost two plus years. I haven't seen my grandparents in three years, which is getting you know heavier and heavier by the day. Um, just because pre twenty twenty, you know, I would be very very lucky enough to go back or them come here, but we would be seeing each other you know once a year, which even that is. So little, but at least it was something, you know, but now it's been so long where, yeah, I just, I need that time. So I definitely need, after you've just inspired me, after this podcast, I'm going to go on my calendar and block out <laughs> some amount of time. I don't know when because it, well, that's the thing. It's it's impossible to plan right now because we don't know, you know, in WA we're still completely closed off from everyone and everything. We have no idea when we're going to open. So. Absolutely yeah it's stressful oh my god Mauritius oh my god uh when I was yeah when I was nine my um dad had long service leave and we went to Mauritius for three months no we way. went to school yeah we lived in Perry Bear oh my gosh no <laughs> I way I know so Mauritius holds a really special place in my heart um so that's really beautiful that's so nice to hear I do not often chat with someone who's been there so that's very rare I love it it's such a beautiful place oh it's incredible Mm. incredible incredible when did you move from there to here I moved here in 2008 so it's been a while yeah I was 10 at the time moved with my family um and yeah it's 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 such a great place to be able to go back on holiday you know (laughs) it's definitely got it's um it's different when you're living there, you know, when that's your home. But when you're going there on a holiday, it's it's beautiful. It's so relaxing and the beaches, it's, yeah, incredible. So okay. let's hope that I can go. Oh, and the food. Oh, my God. The street food especially. Oh, it's good. Yeah. Roti with curry. Yes. Before school. Oh, my God. Oh, Amazing. my God. I would love a good roti. Like, yeah. yeah, that is my... That is the the best food I think in the world. We actually have a Mauritian restaurant um, in Subiaco oh. here in Perth. Yeah, it's incredible. I go there. I actually haven't been in a while, but I I used to go quite often. I actually need to go back. It's like a little you know taste of home. It's so nice. Wow, and Mauritian people—they're just beautiful. Mm. Oh, Co, that's amazing. <laughs> wow. Yeah. How. Yeah. How cool. And you mentioned a bit earlier as well that you had an assistant, Liv. Is that what you said her name yeah. was? Ivy. Yeah, I, oh, Ivy. where did I get Liv from? Yeah. <laughs> no, that a word. Yeah, Ivy. Ivy. Yep. Um, what was she kind of in charge of in your business? Yeah, she did everything except for design work. So um, That's anything a lot. from like, yeah, that's a lot. 
Um, anything from like, uh, she did a lot of mood boarding and research as well. Um, made sure the studio, the studio space we were running, everything's just, we used to have people coming in for meetings all the time and just ensuring that that was all looking great. Um, emailing like printers and suppliers, doing all that kind of communication stuff, which takes so much time. Um, going and picking up printing, delivering stuff, um, ordering the plants, um, <laughs> having a laugh. Mm. Yeah, she's in line. She's amazing. And she's one of my really, really, really good friends. Um, and she was the best. To let mm. her go was really bloody hard. Yeah. But um, yeah, it was amazing. Having an assistant, it was like, oh my God, this is cool. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But really hard. I mean, I find delegating really hard. And um, uh, yeah, and being a boss really hard. I'm just like, you know, when she started, we um, I got her to sign a contract. And I was just like, oh, if the surf is on the pump, like go surf. Like if you have stuff that you need to do to ensure that your life is working, go do that stuff. Like work has to be enjoyable and it has to be something where you show up and you really want to be here. Mm. And if you've got other stuff, go and do that. But these are your tasks. And if you get them done, that would be great. If you can't, that's okay too, but just, you know, let me know why. So yeah, being a boss was really cool. I really liked it, but it was, it's, yeah, a whole kettle, not a kettle of fish, isn't mm. it? It's like, yeah, and I know this this podcast is called Good Boss, but um, <laughs> being a good boss is really hard. It is hard. And it's, it's a bloody privilege. And you kind of look at, you know, all your jobs that you've ever had and, and kind of pick pieces from bosses that you've had and, and seeing bosses be really shitty too and going, I don't never want to be like that. Mm. Um, yeah, and I just think staying on that path of just life and work they need to work together um and work needs to be an enjoyable place 100 because um, that you know strategically that affects your bottom line tenfold but also people deserve to be treated beautifully yeah mm. and you want your work to be awesome mm. yeah is hiring yeah. something that you are potentially going to do again in the future or is that just not in the cards right now Oh, I'm parking it for now. Um, I, yeah, definitely have, um, uh, oh, my God, freelancers that I work with. So everything to do with web or animation, I outsource and email signatures. Um, but just staying by myself at the moment is really amazing. Having as much freedom in my life as possible is something I want to do. Um, I'm currently studying something completely different uh, just to get my mind going in a different way. Um, and just having and working on Magnetic Island and wanting to tra travel and do all these things and keeping the business as malleable as possible um, is where I want to be. Yeah. Mm. And also, again, just keeping expenses low. I yeah. just, I know that employees can, can of course, add value um, in a monetary sense to your business. But just for now, just keeping things simple is, yeah, where I want to be. Yeah. Well, I feel like that. Um, aligns quite well with where you're living right now magnetic island seems like such a dream such a yeah I mean island lifestyle like what kind of made you decide to move there and I think you're part of the jungle club is that right yeah correct yeah yes. talk to us about that and what that looks like um, 
first of all, so I send pictures to my mom of the island, obviously, and she's like, that looks like Mauritius. <laughs> it has a very, I know it's a tropical island, but oh, just mm. the feeling here is magic. It's, um, yeah, it's magic. So Magnetic Island came into my life last November. I took two months off work at the end of last year and drove up the eastern coast all the way up to Magnetic Islands. My friend Frankie Ratford had just bought an A-frame house on the island and I went up to help her renovate and just have a really good time. I arrived, I went down to the beach on day one, a little turtle popped its head out of the water and I just started crying. Um, the feeling here is magic. Um, Magnetic Island is known as Yumbunun and um historically indigenous people never lived on this island it was always a place for women to come post birth to deal from their trauma to just have peace and quiet from their trauma wow. um and that same healing calm feminine also fun and light energy still exists here um you know so many kids were here as well and you can really feel that here um so so many of the locals tell that story as a way of describing the feeling that's here. It's really hard otherwise, you know, people go, oh, Tropical Island, so cool. And I'm like, yeah, but like, there's a lot of magic here. Mm. Um, so that happened. So I went and visited Frank, fell in love with the island, came back and did a creative residency with Jungle Club in April. Um, Jungle Club hadn't really finished yet. So Jungle Club is a building. On Magnetic Island. It is run by Frankie Ratford, Jesse Fowler, and Suzanne Pilcher. They run a coffee shop, there's a co-working space, there's creative residencies, and then at the moment there's three shops going in the front. So there's a clothing store, a tattoo shop, and a spare shop. Um, there's a resort pool at the back. Uh, like the name says, there's bloody beautiful tropical plants everywhere. It's so beautifully branded by Suzanne Pilcher. Um, so I went there and helped them with renovations and just had a really great time. At the end of my time there, Frank was like, do you want to do a sublet, sublet my house while I'm over in the UK for three to four months? I was like, yes, of course. Um, so I planned on leaving my place in South Golden Beach, which is in the Byron Shire, and just coming up for three to four months. I couldn't sublet my place. It just wasn't happening despite the rental crisis. It just wasn't happening. Um, so I let it go and I was like, stuff it. I'm going to move up to Mags permanently terrifying any sort of long-term commitment I am terrified <laughs> I just said just give it six months and then see what happens um yeah and so moved up um house sat for Frank and I work from Jungle Club um not today I'm at home today because Jungle Club is a very buzzing place and we chat all the time um <laughs> Uh, so yeah, work at Jungle Club, um, ride a scooter everywhere, um, do boot camp three mornings a week where like the oldest person there is 85 and the youngest is me. It is so inspiring. Um, it is so beautiful here. Mm. Um, it's 75% national park. You're surrounded by the Great Barrier Reef. Um, it's oh. just, there's 2,500 people that live on the island. Wow. Um, You're kidding. It's really welcoming too I've never been in a community where people are just love like just lovely and welcoming um and everyone's up for a chat there's a beautiful indigenous community that's here and they're highly they're really well respected um it's 
magic. It's truly magic. And I feel so lucky to be here. And it's also weird and unpredictable and wild. And I've never been more social in my life. And <laughs> yeah, it's really, really, really cool. So I'm here for a while. Yeah. yeah. That sounds absolutely beautiful and I want to come visit it looks like I need to come and stay there for x amount of time maybe that can be one of my holidays this year I would just love that oh 100% 100% yeah come and stay do a creative residency if you want to or not just come Mm. on holiday um yeah what is really beautiful what does it actually mean to do a creative residency um, so you can do a one, two, three, or four week creative residency, and it's um, just time and space carved out for creatives to work on a personal project. So you don't actually have to produce any, like show anything at the end of your time. It's literally just you get a beautiful room. They're all like um, monochrome colors. So you've got your pink room, the green room, and the rust room. Um, stay in there and then work in the co-working space or there's a workshop space if you're more of a visual sculptor that kind of artist um and it's just literally time space and inspiration from being in on the island um to create Mm. which is a rarity I think particularly for commercial like for graphic science and commercial artists have time just to do stuff for you what the hell I don't even know when we're supposed to do that but this is that and then also there's opportunity to either do an exhibition at the end of your time or put on workshops while you're here as well oh cool super cool yeah Yeah. it just means amazingly interesting and smart and beautiful people are coming through the junk club doors all the time yeah Yeah. maybe you need to pass on those details of the founders slash owners I mean I feel like it would be quite fun to chat with them on the potty and hear about yeah they definitely will yeah so yeah I mean Frankie Ratford she runs the design kids um emerging designers um so she does that and then John Club and then runs a few um beautiful Airbnbs on the island as well so she would be an amazing person to talk to and then Suze who runs the co-working she's a graphic designer too so yeah and then Jesse runs anyway yes 100% (laughs) there we go very, very cool stuff so what are your plans for the rest of the year what's what are the goals what's what's coming up what are you working on I would really love to build up some good savings Mm. um it's strange when money becomes the goal um (laughs) I mean it's always it's you know the thing that's like gives me the most stress is money in life but um it's always been kind of the backseat to the business but this year I really want to make some really good savings um I would love to buy a house sometime in the future it'd be a really been a dream of mine forever Mm. um and then also just having savings in the bank just to feel bloody good and stable and great um I am studying as I mentioned it's a one-year course that will finish by the end of this year um doing studying and work at the same time is an interesting mix (laughs) um and yeah I think just I'm doing setting long-term goals this year last year was all about short-term doing what feels good now and keep doing that thing whereas this year is just long-term so the money the study Mm. um I'm doing boot camp really rigorously at the moment so really working on like my 
health mm. um, and growing a sunflower garden. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So I put in 150 seeds at the moment and they're all about this big. Wow. Um, yeah, getting that pumping would be amazing. Yeah. Amazing. Well, I can't wait to see that on the gram and see how that goes. <laughs> um, Thank you. Before we wrap up, I think you probably know this from listening to past episodes that I always ask my guests, what are your good boss habits that keep you healthy and happy in your business? Number one, sleep. Number two, exercise. Mm. Um, And number three, um, nurturing my friendships. So carving out space and time to connect with my friends is really important. Mm. Hugely important. I love that. This has been so much fun. Oh, sorry. (laughs) Carol, it's been so lovely. Thank you so much for listening. Yeah. No, this was so great. Thank you for carving out the time in your four-day work week for this. I so appreciate it. I've been so excited about it. Thank you so yes. much, Co. What you're doing here is brilliant. Thank, Thank you. you. Where where can people find you? People can find me at on Instagram. So Mullo Studio, M-U-L-L-O Studio. Um, and all my contact details are there. Amazing. I will link it in the show notes as always. So you guys can go check out Lucy, check out her work. I mean, we didn't even get to touch on your actual design work. It's freaking <laughs> beautiful. I I'm such a fan of your actual illustrations, logos, packaging, all of that is stunning. So go check it out. Um, There's lots of inspiration to be digested on that page, honestly. So good. So thank you you to everyone that's been listening as well to this a bit longer than usual podcast. Been going for about an hour and 15 minutes now, but it's been such great creative chat so I hope you have all enjoyed it if you have make sure to leave a review and a rating on the episode because that would make me very happy (laughs) and I'll leave it with you there enjoy the rest of your week guys chat to you soon